There's just some people in this room that need to lay stuff down tonight. There's some people in this room that need to trust that God has your life in his hands, that your future is not your own. 
He has a plan for your life. He has things in order for your life. You are not alone. God of the universe that created heaven and earth is on your side. Come on, believe that today. Trust him that nothing is impossible. You might have a horrible past. You might have a horrible family at home that just does you wrong. But you have to understand that there is a God of heaven that is for you. And if he is for you, then nobody can be against you. Not your mother, not your father, not anybody can be against you. trust the Lord. Just trust him today. Come on, tell Jesus today that, say, I trust you, Jesus. I trust you with my life. I trust you with my future. I trust you with the things that I cannot let go of, God. I trust you. I trust you, God. Nobody can have my heart but you, God. I trust you. I put my life in your hands. You can have it, God. You can have it, God. I'm sick of fighting you. You can have it, God. You can have it, God.
right now in the Bible when when the, it says that the disciples disciples got up and left Jesus and he looked at his 12 and he said are you gonna go too?" and they said no where else are we gonna go there's no other place for us but right here and I want to ask you today is that you are you one of the ones that leave and come back or, or leave and end up regretting it are you the one that stays at Jesus's feet are you the one that stays with him Make that declaration today that you will not be the disciple that walks away, but you will be like the 12 that say, Jesus, I have no else, nowhere else to go. I have no other person that loves me the way you do. I have no other place to be but in your presence, oh God. the earth 
such a sweet presence of God in this place. Come on, he is in our midst right now. God, we just want to be closer to you.
Lord, if you're here and you're desperate in this place, as we keep singing this song, draw near to God. The Bible says that if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. He does not reject us. Whatever people have told you, any lie that has ever come into your mind, Jesus does not reject you tonight. He wants you to come close. He wants you to be desperate for him. He wants you to believe and have faith that he can move mountains in your life. So let's get desperate tonight. We don't come to a God that is made of straw or wood. We come to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. He is in charge of your life. He is the author and finisher of your faith. So seek him with everything inside of you today. Let's worship him in spirit and in truth. Let's worship him with everything inside of us. Come on, let's sing that. Lift up your voices before heaven. Draw us close, Jesus. We want to feel your heart beat next to ours, God. We want to lay our head on your chest. We want you to hold us. Hold us in your arms. Wrap us in your loving arms tonight. Strengthen us, God. Increase our faith. Let faith arise tonight, God, according to your word. Let faith arise. we thank you God that we could come just as we are that we could come before your throne of grace with boldness and with confidence knowing that you hear us knowing that you won't push us away and God we thank you that you don't leave us to ourselves that you want us to change you want us to grow closer to you because our heart is wicked our heart is prone to wander God and we need you to help us we pray Lord God that we will continue to chase after your heart of holiness, of purity, of passion to see your kingdom come to this earth, God. We need you. We need you, God. We seek your face. We seek your face and not just your hand. We, we call these nights encounter nights for a reason. We've come to encounter a living God. We thank you. Hallelujah. Let's spend a couple minutes just speaking in tongues. Let's build up our inner man. The Bible says to increase your faith, to build up your inner man, just sing prayers unto God. Your prayer language unto the Lord. This may be new to you, but it's found in the Bible. If you have questions about what this is about, we can explain it to you with the leaders after service. But this is our personal prayer language with the Lord. Jesus. Let freedom break forth tonight, God. Freedom in this place. Pour out your Holy Spirit and power. Holy Ghost, come and fill us up until we overflow. Let it overflow. Let it overflow. Let the rivers of living water rise up from within our bellies, God. Let it overflow. In Jesus' name, to everybody around us. Shoto robo bokira babasi. 
here tonight God we thank you for our salvation and we ask God for all of our families and our friends that we're gonna be with tomorrow that we would have the boldness to preach the gospel to them so if you're in this place just let's lift up a prayer for our for our loved ones that they would be saved that you would preach a message to them of salvation God we pray that our households will be saved that they would hear the message of the cross the message of who you are and what you've done. And I pray that blinded eyes would see and deaf ears would hear the message of the gospel. And Lord, we lift up the prayer requests in this church, God. We pray, God, for Angel's mom for healing to come over her whole body. Touch her, Jesus, and make her whole. We declare that she will rise from her sickbed, God. We know, Lord, that by your stripes we are healed. And I pray for healing in her body. And for Stephen and Shay, a couple who are having complications in their pregnancy and might lose their baby. Lord, stretch forth your hand to save. Stretch forth your hand to heal. We believe in miracles, God. We believe that you are the miracle maker. And we know, Jesus, that you hold, hold all things in your hands. So we lift up the needs of your people today. And we ask that you would go before them and follow close behind and comfort them with your word. Comfort them with your presence so that they know that you are with them and that they're not alone. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap tonight. Praise him. I want you guys to find a few people. Just walk around, shake somebody's hand, and say happy Thanksgiving. Because every day is Thanksgiving in the house of the Lord. Just a happy Thanksgiving. Amen. And you could just make your way back to your seats when you're done. Take your time. There's no hurry. Amen. We're so excited to have you guys here tonight. These encounter nights are very special to us. It's a time where we can come together as a body of Christ and seek his face and be encouraged by the word. How many of you guys are encouraged on Wednesday nights by the teaching that is given to you? And I just want to encourage, amen, clap your hands. And I just want to encourage you guys to really come forth expecting and coming hungry to learn something. So that means you've got to come ready with your Bible, whether it's an actual Bible or a Bible in your phone, and a notepad or a notebook and paper, because the things that you're being taught here, you should be writing down and keeping track scripture verses that are being talked about that really are ministering to you at the moment you can look back and they can minister to you throughout the week or at a different season of your life amen so the title of my message today is living a life of thanksgiving everybody say hallelujah amen living a life of thanksgiving for most of americans you know during this time obviously when you think of thanks when they think of thanksgiving it's just a one once a year type of thing. It's just that one day, that one Thursday in November where they celebrate Thanksgiving. And when you think about Thanksgiving, probably the first few things that come to mind is probably turkey stuffing, you know, 
having a whole bunch of people over your house and just all the food and just you passing out from eating all the food and all that good stuff, okay? But as believers, Thanksgiving is not just one day. How many of you guys can say amen to that? It's not just about that one day once a year. As believers, Thanksgiving to us has got to be a lifestyle. Somebody say lifestyle. There should be reasons where we wake up every morning and give thanks to God. Every morning when we open up our eyes, we should say, Jesus, thank you for another day of life. Thank you for meeting my needs yesterday, for meeting my needs today. Every morning, the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. So there's always a reason, especially us as believers, to give thanks to him every day. And then every night before we go to sleep, we should say, thank you, God, for protecting me today. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for your provision. And I know many times things go wrong. Troubles come into our life, and we'll talk about those things. But there should never be a reason why we can't give thanks to God because he gave the ultimate sacrifice. And he keeps blessing us, and he keeps giving us good gifts. But the number one ultimate sacrifice that he had to come to do was send his son. Jesus had to die on the cross for our sins. And he doesn't have to do anything else after that, but he still does because he's a good God. So we could at least... No matter what's going on in our life, we can thank him for that, thanking him for the cross. We can thank him for our salvation, for our freedom, from this, the life of sin that we used to live and the bondage that we were held in. We always have reasons to thank God every single day, making it a lifestyle of praise unto our Lord. And like I, I just said, you know, you, you might be saying, you know, my life isn't that easy, Nancy. Um, it's not like, you know, my life is a, a, a bed of roses that I wake up to every morning. I have heartache. I have a hard family. You know, I don't come from, from the, the greatest breed, okay? I understand that. But see, that's why Jesus came. Because sin entered the world, we're not promised everything to go perfect. Sin came and entered the world through Adam and Eve. And everybody born since then is born into sin. So we don't have control over the, what happens around us because of sin, because the devil does have control on this earth to a certain degree, to a certain point. But Jesus, but Jesus. And so no matter what you're going through today, the heartache, the trouble, those are all real. We're not downplaying that. We would never downplay a person's pain. I would never do that. But I want you to get this into your spirit that no matter what we're going through in the external parts of our life, internally we have to have a lifestyle of giving thanks and praise to God. And you're going to learn more why as we continue on in the message. But you may be going through a hard time of financial troubles. It could be dealing with rebellious children, a marriage that's on the rocks, unsaved family members, a sickness or a death, something tragic that has happened that, is, that just completely came out of left field. Those are all real things. And God wants us to bring those hurts and those pains directly to him because he is our healer. He is our comforter. But the point and the lesson that I want you to learn from this is that until we learn how to praise and thank God in our storm through those troubles, we will never be able to do it when the sun is shining. You may say, yeah, I would. You know, I really would be praising God right now if I had something to thank him about. Well, what about your salvation? What about you not having to live in the bondage of sin? Let's not wait for those moments when everything is handy dandy in our life because the matter of the fact is, what if that never happens? What if sometime in your life, not every single area in it is going to be exactly how you want it to be? 
but there's a storm that God is allowing you to pass through because he wants you to draw closer to him. So don't just wait for the good times when the sun is shining and you're on the mountaintop and you have all the money in the world and your kids are just little, you know, little angels all the time and your marriage is the best marriage in the world. And God wants you to have those things. He wants us to be blessed and prosperous. But if you wait for those moments, if you wait to not be in pain before you give thanks to God, you're going to miss out on his intimacy and his closeness on him revealing himself to you in a powerful way. And John uh, chapter 16, verse 33, if we could all turn there quickly. The book of John chapter 16, verse 33. This passage of scripture is read uh, very often for a topic that I'm talking about. You know, having troubles in life, pain, rebellious children, all those things that I've named, unsaved family members, sicknesses. And it's good. You know, it's good to, to read this verse, which I'm going to do in a little bit. But I want to kind of give you the, the exact implication of where that's coming from. So John 16, 33, I have told you these things, and we're going to talk about what these things are. So Jesus is telling his disciples, because he's getting ready to get crucified a little few chapters after this. So he said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. How many of you guys know that you could have peace in Jesus? He is the Prince of Peace. Those are, that is one of his names. In this world, you will have trouble. Jesus didn't come to us and tell us that everything would be made perfect and that he would, you know, rescue us out of every single storm. He said, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So no matter what we're going through in this time, in this world, he's already won it. He's already won the victory, and that was on the cross. And the, the reference that I wanted to make to this specifically this verse is not talking about financial difficulties and things that we would go through uh, you know, on a daily basis in our life, especially here in America. Um, this is actually referencing the these things that Jesus is talking about is actual persecution for the gospel. So if you were to go back up to John chapter 16 and read it in its context, this verse is actually talking about being persecuted for Christ and actually losing your life because of it. So Jesus is referring this verse to that. And I just want you to kind of soak that in a little bit, okay? There are Christians, thousands of Christians, probably millions, all around this world. Not so much in America. Nobody here in America gets, gets murdered for being a Christian. When was the last time you heard of that happening in America? I, I don't know if that's ever happened. Maybe it has, but we're not suffering persecution for the gospel in America. But I'm telling you, our brothers and sisters all around the world are suffering persecution for the gospel and their thanksgiving is thank God the gospel is being preached. And I don't care if I'm sacrificing my own life for it, but Jesus, you're being glorified. That's their thanksgiving. So when you think about the, the, the believers, every three minutes there's somebody being martyred because they're a Christian. Every three minutes around the world there's somebody being murdered because they are a believer of Jesus and they are not backing down and proclaiming that he is the only way, the truth, and the life. So let's just put that into perspective because I really wanted to give you a little bit of that background because this verse, you know, a lot of times, like I said, we apply it to our current struggles, which is okay. It's very encouraging. But we have something to be thankful for when we think about the persecution that's going on around the world. So are you living a life of thanksgiving? That's my question to you. Are you living a lifestyle of thanksgiving unto God on a daily basis? 
regardless of life's circumstances. And again, it doesn't mean that what you're going through is not serious, but are you living a life of thanksgiving, being able to put that aside, trusting in God to be your healer, trusting in God to be your provider and saying, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for another day where I could have breath in my lungs and I can have a voice to sing praises to you. Thank you that you're with me in this storm, that you haven't left me. Or do you find yourself complaining? Think about that for a second. Do you complain on a daily basis? Are you thanking God for walking with you through your difficult times? In Proverbs 18, 21, if you guys can turn there, it's one of my favorite verses in the book of Proverbs. There's a lot of powerful verses in this book. And this has got to be probably number one for me because I take my words very seriously. And as believers, you should too. Um, I always say this, you know, sometimes when people first get saved, you can kind of tell because of the way that they talk, you know, the kind of the things that they say uh, are a little off. And that's because they haven't really cultivated a life of thanksgiving to God. They haven't really cultivated a life of not really complaining. And so that's why I love this verse, because you can tell so much about people from their words and the, the serious aspect of of our of our words is displayed in this verse. Proverbs 18:21 says, "The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit." Somebody say, "Come on, Jesus." The tongue has the power of life and death. So are you complaining in the midst of your life right now in the midst of your storm? Are you complaining? Because if you are complaining, I just want you to know that the power of those words is bringing life into, uh, is bringing death into your circumstance. You do that by your words. So in the midst of your storm, and whether or not you are in a storm, it could be the littlest things in life that you just complain about. You need to be careful because you will eat the fruit of your words. I remember we were discipling a young lady years ago, and I think Sue Ellen was her disciple maker. And she was teaching her, this, this Proverbs this one is in the 101 book, and she was teaching her about guarding her words and being careful about what she was saying and complaining all the time. And this young lady, you know, was, she was being teachable and all that. And she, at this moment, she was complaining about something to, to Sue Ellen. And Sue Ellen, in, in joking, and jokingly, she's like, okay, you like that? Okay, go, go eat your words then if that's what you want. That's what you, all you want to talk about. You want to complain. You want to not speak life over yourself or your circumstances, then go eat your words. And it just, it makes sense. You want to have death in your life or you want to speak life? Parents, we have the power to speak life into our children or death into our children. We must speak life. Our words are powerful. So I want to encourage you today, do not complain before God. Do not have a complaining spirit before God. You will not enjoy your Christian walk on this earth unless you are living a life of thanksgiving and praise. Because I just want to remind you, if you guys remember the Israelites, God took them out of Egypt after being enslaved for 400 years. Somebody say 400 years. So I don't know how, what is the number? A million? Probably over a million Israelites that taken out of Egypt. Moses takes them out. And the first thing that they do when they don't have something to drink and something to eat, is complain. 
They didn't thank God for taking them out of Egypt. They were telling God, I want to go back to Egypt. Please take me back there because I had all the food that I wanted to eat. I had all the water and the wine I wanted to drink. Take me back there. Please take me back there. Even though they were slaves, they, that's where they wanted to be. And let's put that into perspective into our life today. Are you complaining about where you are? Being saved right now. You are saved. God has set you free from the power of, of life and death, from darkness. He brought you into light. Are you complaining about what you're going through and wanting to go back? Because some things in your life were just easier when you weren't saved. Are you giving him thanks in the midst of what you're going through? I think of an example of a child. You know, when you, get, when you buy a child something, and they just thank you for it. I mean, it just blesses your soul. I remember just a couple months ago, I bought Bethany and Hannah a princess table with, you know, the two matching chairs. And I promise you, for three mornings in a row, and probably throughout the day, Bethany must have said thank you like 20 times a day. Thank you, Mommy, for my princess table. Thank you, Mommy, for my princess table. I mean, it just didn't stop. Literally, three mornings, every morning she would wake up, we would go downstairs, and she would see it there, and she would just be in awe of the princess table. And it just, it feels so good. And how much more our Heavenly Father, how, does, how do you think Jesus feels when we thank him? When we find something in your life to thank him about. He's given you more than salvation. He's given you a family. He's given you education. He's given you a church family. He's given you purpose. And maybe some of you guys are still in a rut. You will get out of that rut as soon as you learn how to live a life of thanksgiving. I promise you. So God loves it when we're thankful for the things that he's given to us. If I keep giving gifts to my children and they're ungrateful and they never say thank you. I mean, imagine your children. Maybe your children are a little bit more grown. Teenagers, think about this. If your parents are giving you things and you're not grateful for them, they're probably thinking to themselves, that's the last thing I'm ever going to buy for you. Okay? And so God doesn't have to do one more thing for us. He did the ultimate thing. He saved us from a life of destruction and eternity in hell. That's it. Everything else he does after that is extra. And it's because he's a good God. That's why he does it. So think about that every day before you try to complain about what you don't have, before you try to tell God, well, you know, I'm, I'm this age and, you know, I should have my own house by now or I'm this age and I should be married so single people, you need to thank God for your singleness. Thank God for the season that you're in right now because you'll never have it back. And there's something that God wants you to learn in the season that you're in. And married people, thank God for your marriage. Don't keep complaining about it. If something's going wrong, try to fix it through the word of God. But give thanks. Thank God for your children. Don't keep complaining about your children. Thank God for them. And speak life. Speak words of life. And children, you should thank God for your parents. And if, they're, if your parents are not saved, pray that they get saved because they need Jesus too. And if you're complaining about them, they probably don't know any better. They probably don't know how to love you the way God wants them to love you because they haven't been loved that way themselves. So start thinking through God's perspective. Start thinking about life through how God wants you to think of it. Being thankful, praising him, putting him first, not allowing the things of this world to drown him out. And you will experience freedom in your Christian walk, freedom in this life. Continuing on in the message, I just highlighted a few things 
that can hinder you from living a life of thanksgiving. Now, this isn't, you know, just the ultimate list, but I just chose three hindrances to living a life of thanksgiving. Uh, uh, you know, just a few things I personally wanted to highlight. You, we could probably list a lot of other stuff, um, but I think that these three things um, are, are probably on the high end of the list because they could keep you from really living in freedom and experiencing all the fullness of God. And so the first thing is unforgiveness. If you have unforgiveness in your life, you have got to get it out because it will hinder you. Unforgiveness keeps you a prisoner. And so if there have been things done to you as a child, um, whether it was molestation or rape, and those are serious things even in the church I don't take that very lightly. There's a lot of scandals that are coming out right now in that area. I'm telling you that is a very serious area, and, and the victims need healing. And so if you fall into that category, it could be something else. Maybe you were done wrong as an adult, a coworker, a family member, a spouse, a child, whatever it is, whatever area in your life that you have unforgiveness about. It could be unforgiveness towards yourself. It could be bitterness against God. I just want to encourage you today at the end of this message that you would come to these altars and pray that God would set you free. And we're going to be serious about it. You have got to hone in on this area of, of your life and break free from it. Because until you break free from unforgiveness, you will stunt your growth with the Lord and you will not be able to grow in intimacy with him the way he wants you to. You can deal with, you could have unforgiveness in your life as an unbeliever for a short time until you just hit a wall and God's going to say, you know what? I need you to deal with this because just like gold is purified in the fire, God purifies us in the fire because the Bible says that our faith is much uh, more valuable than even gold is. And the process of refining fire, uh, refining gold is they put it in the fire and it basically melts into a liquid. And then all the dross, all the particles that are not pure gold come to the surface. And so as a believer in Christ, when he's going to start putting you through the fire because he wants you to come forth as pure gold, all the impurities in your life, all the issues, all the stuff that you've buried down deep inside, all that stuff is going to start to surface. And God is going to say, okay, here it is. It's all come out now. Even things that you weren't aware of, it's all come to the surface. And he's going to say, you want to deal with it now? Because I'm with you. I'm going to take you by the hand. We can deal with these things. But you have to be willing. And unforgiveness might be one of those things that you've had buried for a long time. Disobedience. I gave the, the example of Israel. You know, they kept complaining. They didn't obey God's commands. And guess what? They were only supposed to be in that wilderness for 40 days. And it turned into 40 years. Around and around in the mountain they went. If you're living a life of disobedience where you know God is specifically calling you into the ministry, calling you into full-time ministry, and you keep downing it and you keep, you know, get coming up with excuses, you will not find freedom and you will not experience the next level of victory until you do what God told you to do last. Do not be disobedient with the Lord. You may be in a relationship that God doesn't want you to be in. Get out of it. Get out of it. Don't be disobedient to God. If there's sins in your life that you need to give up and you need to quit and you need to say enough is enough, get it out of your life. Don't be disobedient to God. And the third thing is hidden sin. Now, this could be hidden sin that you've struggled with from your past and your present that you've never told a soul, you've never told anybody, or it could be sin that you have confessed but is still mastering your life. You cannot have 
hidden sin in your life, unconfessed sin will keep you bound. So I want you to find freedom today. And if you have confessed a sin and you're still not free, you have got to meet with Jesus. Because people can lay hands on you, but until you can lay hands on yourself and allow the power of the Holy Spirit to start bubbling up inside of you and you meet Jesus by yourself in your prayer closet and say, Jesus, I don't want this sin. Get it out of my life. You won't experience freedom because too many times in the church, people want to be babied. And it's not about people always laying hands on you to get free. Get up, lay hands on yourself and say, I am free in Jesus' name. This sin cannot master me any longer. We need to step up and arise in faith according to God's word. And you won't grow in faith unless you read God's word. Amen? So how do we live a life of thanksgiving? How do we do that? Anybody have any ideas? If you don't know, I'm going to teach you. It's very simple. It's just simple. How to live a life of thanksgiving. Love God and love people. Sound familiar? And it's the two greatest commandments. And Jesus gave this answer to the, to the uh, person that came to him and said, you know, all, you know what, are, what are the greatest commandments? What should I do? I've kept all, you know, I've kept them all. And he said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, these two commands sum up all the laws and the prophets. The reason why Jesus said that these two commands sum up the law and the commandments is because if you look at the Ten Commandments, the first five commandments have to do with your relationship to God. So loving God covers those first five of the Ten Commandments. The second five is, has to deal with your relationship to man. And so that's summarized by loving people. And you guys should make a note of this and go read the Ten Commandments and see how that fits in. The first five is your relationship to God. You need to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if you do, you will not break those commandments. And the second five have to do with your relationship to man, loving people. Just wanted to give that little tidbit to you. So that he said, so in order for you to love God, you need to live holy. You need to follow his commands. Loving God with all of your heart. And Luke chapter 12, verse 34, if you guys can turn there, please. Everybody say, work my word. Work my word. Okay, come on, guys. you got to help me out here. I will work my word, and the word will work for me. Come on. Luke chapter 12, verse 34. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God wants us to love him with all of our heart. And if your heart is somewhere else, wandering somewhere else in a relationship that he doesn't want you to be in, wandering somewhere else, you know, hungry for money, hungry for popularity, just hungry for something that is not of him. You have to check your heart. Where your heart is, there your treasure will be ours. Oh, that's where your treasure is going to be. That's why Jesus wants us to love him with all of our heart because he wants our treasure to be in him. Amen? Lo love the Lord your God with all of your heart and your soul. Your soul encompasses your mind, your will, and your emotions. Every fiber of our being needs to be in love with Jesus. Turn to Romans chapter 12. We're going to read from verses 1 through 3 or 2. Romans chapter 12. If you ha do not have this memorized, it's a good one to memorize. It's a powerful passage of scripture when it's talking about being transformed 
you know, to God's likeness, to God's image, being transformed to the way God wants you to live. Romans chapter 12, the subtitle is a living sacrifice. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So in order for you to love God, you need to live holy. And this is how we do it. You offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. This is your true and proper worship. You want to be a worshiper of Jesus? You want to be a true worshiper? Live a life of holiness. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you, re how do you renew your mind? You read the word. You speak God's word over your life. Our mind will be renewed. We will get the junk of the world out of it, the way the, the world thinks. Our mind will be transformed. And then we will know. Then we will be able to test and approve God's will, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So loving God with all of our soul encompasses our mind, our will, and our emotions. Here it says to renew your mind. When you renew your mind, you will be able to love God with all of your heart. Your will, his will, you will find out his will for your life. And your emotions will be in line with his. You will want what he wants. You will love what he loves. You will want his kingdom to come to this earth. And loving God with all of your strength. In Colossians 2, 6 through 7, you don't have to turn there, but it's good to note it down. Colossians chapter 2, 6 through 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, how many of you guys have done that? You've received Christ Jesus as Lord. Continue to live your lives in him. So continue, no matter what comes your way, no matter what you're struggling with, what storm you're facing, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. How many of you guys want to do that today? You want to continue to live your life in him. If you agree with that, say amen. And you want to overflow with thankfulness. Say, I'm thankful. Amen. And the second thing that you can do to live a life of thanksgiving is to love people. Forgive those who have hurt you. Okay, if you truly want to love people, you have to learn how to forgive. You have to let go of grudges. You have to think about other people before you think about yourself. Don't be selfish. Be selfless. And tell people about Jesus. Turn to 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, please. Powerful passage of scripture. As believers, we have to get the impact of this, the, under, the deep understanding of what this means for us as Christians. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. If you are not forgiving somebody, you are not loving them. And if you can't love them and they are right in front of you, you cannot truly say that you love God because we haven't even seen God. Hallelujah, Jesus. I want you guys to all stand up to your feet. We're going to close with a psalm. It's a very powerful song. It puts a lot of this into perspective. I want you to have it ministered to you tonight, and then we're going to go straight into the altar call, and then we're going to pray prayers of thanksgiving unto God. We're going to bring the kids in here. We're going to end up, 
out like a big happy family. But before we do, like I said, if you guys can just close your eyes. And I'm going to read this psalm to you. And I want you to let it minister to you because a lot of what I've said is wrapped up in this psalm. I'm going to read the whole chapter. And if you could put it up, that would be good. It's uh, the Amplified. Amplified version of Psalm 50. The mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and calls the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and does not keep silent. A fire devours before him, and round about him a mighty tempest rages. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather together to me, my saints, those who have found grace in my sight, those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And the heavens declare his righteousness, righteous and justice. For God, he is judged. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify to you and against you. I am your God, your God. I do not reprove you for your sacrifices. So God is telling the nation of Israel, I'm not reproving you for your sacrifices right now because he is going to judge them. He's not coming against them for their burnt offerings are continually before him. They're doing good with those burnt offerings. He's not coming against them for their sacrifices. The burnt offerings are continually coming before him. I will accept no bull from your house, nor he go out of your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine. So he's basically saying, it doesn't matter. You guys are offering those things to me, but they already belong to me. And the cattle upon a thousand hills are upon the mountains where thousands are. I know and am acquainted with all the birds of the mountains and the wild animals of the field are mine and are with me in my mind. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. Shall I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God the sacrifice of thanksgiving. That is really what God wanted out of them. He owns everything else. He's glad that they were continually burning other sacrifices before him, but the sacrifices of thanksgiving is what he wanted. And he says to them, and pay your vows to the Most High and call on me in the day of trouble. Don't complain to God. Don't turn your back on God. God is telling the nation of Israel here in this passage, and call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall honor and glorify me. When you turn to God in your storm, in your trouble, in your circumstance that you are facing, and you're offering a, uh, a sacrifice of thanksgiving, you are bringing him honor and glorifying God. But to the wicked, God says, what right have you to recite my statutes or take my covenant or pledge on your lips, seeing that you hate instruction and correction and cast my words behind you, discarding them? Let's not do that. Let's not be like the wicked that don't follow his instruction and his correction when he rebukes us. Casting aside the things that he's told us to do. When you see a thief, you associate with him and you have taken part with adulterers. You give your mouth to evil and your tongue frames deceit. We need to watch our tongue. Speak words of life. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. We cannot do that. That falls into the category of loving people. We cannot slander each other. We cannot speak against other brothers and sisters in the Lord. Whether they're saved or unsaved, we have got to speak life over everybody. 
We have got to watch our words, watch our mouth, keep our mouth from evil. These things you have done and I kept silent. You thought I was once entirely like you, but now I will rep reprove you and put the charge in order before your eyes. Now consider this, you who forget God, lest I tear you in pieces and there be none to deliver. Let us not be found to forget God in our life, in every season of our life. Now listen to what he says. He who brings an offering of praise and thanksgiving honors and glorifies me. How many of you guys want to honor and glorify God? You do it through an offering of praise and thanksgiving unto him. And he who orders his way right, who prepares the way that I may show him, to him I will demonstrate the salvation of God. With everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed tonight, I want you to take an inventory of your heart. And I want you to think about actually and truly living a life of thanksgiving. It's not just a holiday for us as believers. It is a lifestyle. It's worked out every day. We work out our salvation every day. The Bible says to do that with fear and trembling. And thanksgiving is a very, very big part of that. We honor and glorify God when we thank him. And I want you to take inventory today, and I want you to think to yourself and really go down deep and see if there are these areas of hindrances in your life that are keeping you from living a, a life of praise to God. Can we get some background music for the altar time? Do you have unforgiveness in your life? Is it keeping you bound? God wants you to be free from that. If, you're, if there's areas in your life that you're disobeying God in, I want you to start making your way forward. Unforgiveness, disobedience, and any other hidden sin. And it could be sin, like I said, that you've already confessed, but it's still keeping you bound. With everybody's eyes closed still all across this place, do not leave here today without experiencing and encountering God in these areas of your life. You can be free, and you must be free. These areas will keep you from fully living a life of thanksgiving to God. You could put that song up high. We whisper your name tonight, Jesus. We know that you've come to set us free. We're st I'm still going to wait. I'm not going to rush you this time. If there's somebody in your life you haven't forgiven,